Hey everyone, welcome. So good to be with you once again. Listen, it may be virtual, but it's just as real. And we can come together this morning and praise and worship our great God together. But before we go into all that, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Mark Kelly, and I'm part of the leadership team here at Freedom Church, which is a church based in Leeds, because you could be anywhere in the world watching this. Why don't you take a moment, I mean I've done this already probably by now, to share the link for this video on all your social media feeds or if you really want to you could click like on the video and even subscribe to the channel. You'll never miss any more future videos that we do. Um, we're going to worship in a moment and then we're going to hear a word from Stu Allen. But before we do that, I just want to encourage us in our worship because it's really weird, isn't it? It's not being a, a big setting um, when, you know, next to your brothers and your sisters in the faith, raising your hands together, worshipping God. And you know what? I, I know this. It can be quite tempting just to sit back on that couch and watch it as if you're watching just another, uh, I don't know, another video on YouTube or just another television program. But no, today's different. Today means something special. We're coming together as the Church of God, the body of Christ, to worship Him and to listen to what He has to say. And I want to encourage us, before we begin to worship, by just reading Psalms 1, 3, 4. All His loving priests who serve and sing, come and sing your song of blessing to God. Come and stand before Him in the house of God, through the night watch, lifting up your hands in holy worship. Come and bless the Lord. May the Lord, whom you worship, the mighty maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion's glory. Hey, I just want to encourage you this morning to get off that sofa if, if you've got, got, got into that habit and just raise your hands as you worship together this morning.
Sound of our offering 
As your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will rise with you, lifted on your wings, and the world will see that our God saves, our God saves, there is hope in My name's Stuart Allen, otherwise known as Stu, part of the leadership team at Freedom Church. And it's a pleasure to bring another word uh, to you today, which builds on what I shared a few weeks ago. And I, if you didn't hear that, I recommend you listen to it. There was a lot in there. Um, and I'm, I'm carrying on from there. And the title of today's um, talk is in two parts. So this is part one. It is an Elijah people ready to welcome the king. And I've been really provoked recently through some scripture and I want to share that with you. But I want to just set a little context um, and remind us that we are at such uh, an important juncture in history. A juncture in time that isn't just merely the turning of a new decade, but it really is the beginning and turning into a new era. And I don't want us to forget or lose that. <clears throat> the edge of lockdown is kind of losing its impact on people. And we're beginning to return to a degree of normality. Although I don't think we'll ever return to what was normal before. Virtually every arena of life has been changed and affected. And though we crave the familiar and the normal, our normal patterns have been interrupted forever and there's no going back. But this time has been a time to reflect, <clears throat> a time to consider and to seek God's face in whatever this is and what this is about. But I want to say something. Yahweh is on the move. God Almighty is doing something in the earth. And it's into this context I want to continue speaking and to be opening up more of the time and season and purposes of God for us and for the church in the world. So in starting, I want us to go into Malachi, which is at the end of the Old Testament. And it's the end of an era in biblical history 
And I just want to quote some stuff from my NASB Bible, the, the introduction to this book. The summary of this very small book addresses <clears throat> the corrupt priests and their false sense of security in their privileged, privileged relationship with God. They were resting on their laurels of their position. And the nation had become so sinful that God's word to the people no longer had any impact. And thereafter, God remained silent. And a period of 400 years elapses before there's any scriptural um, stirring, if you like. And at that point, 400 years later, a new beginning starts. There's a flurry of heavenly activity that we read of in the earth. Angels appearing. The stars in the sky are changing their constellations. The shepherds arrive with the, the multitude of, of the angelic host. The wise men appear and it's the birth of Jesus. It's an incredible period of intense supernatural activity of the heavenly realms breaking in on earth. Something is happening. Trumpets sound. And there's a major move. And then it all goes quiet. There's 30 years of, in effect, silence. What's going on? Suddenly this burst onto the horizon of this amazing occurrence of the birth of Jesus. And then silence in scripture. You know, sometimes God is like that with us. We have these amazing prophetic words, these God moments that we think, wow, I want this to last forever. I'm in a heavenly realm. It's just beyond compare. And then we wake up the next day and it's like, did that really happen? God, where are you today? God sowed a seed. Something happened on the inside and the Holy Spirit will water it day by day by day in the quiet times <clears throat> of life and the humdrum. And something will bear fruit. And at this point, in this period of scriptural history, 30 years after the birth of Jesus, something begins to stir. Now is the time for Jesus to move onto the scene. But I want us to uh, jump into Mark very quickly. And the Bible study group has been studying Mark and we're touching on what I the very thing I wanted to touch on <clears throat> today. And I'm beginning at. Chapter one, uh, chapter one of Mark and verse one to three. The beginning of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in the prophets. And he starts by quoting Malachi, saying, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Then he quotes from Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So Mark picks up where Malachi leaves off and this 400 gap is just threaded together as if there was no gap in time. Suddenly there's renewed spiritual activity in the land. And now I want to jump, jump to Matthew and chapter three, where the same uh, passage is uh, described. It says it slightly differently, but this is the place I want to uh, springboard from today <clears throat> as I share. So I'm going to read from verse one of chapter three to 
to begin with. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent or change your ways, turn around, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, John himself was clothed, clothed in camel's hair and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptised by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins, their wrongdoings. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were the religious leaders of the time, coming to be baptised, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And don't think to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptise you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's referring to Jesus here. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's, these are powerful words. This is John the Baptist causing a stir indeed. And Wow, what a stir it is. And he fulfills scriptural promise. So in Malachi 4, verse 5 to 6, I'm just going to jump to there and read that. It says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So this was prophesied that Elijah, who already had lived, we read about him in 1 Kings. But another Elijah was coming. Elijah didn't die. He was caught up to heaven and they were expecting him to return. They weren't quite sure how this was going to be, but he was due to return because this is what it said in in Malachi. And Jesus speaks about John the Baptist as if he is the Elijah who was to come. Now, listen to this. This is chapter 11, verses 13 to 15 of the book of Matthew. So Jesus is speaking and he says, For all of the prophets and the law prophesied until John, John the Baptist. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, it's a striking thing that Jesus says, if you are willing to hear this. He's suggesting there's a choice. You could just dismiss it and just say, OK, John the Baptist, a bit of a nutter, bit of an extreme guy, bit of a freak. But Jesus is actually saying he fulfills scripture. If you're willing to accept it. And Jesus challenges us. 
He says, if you are willing to believe, are you willing to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches at this time, at this period and juncture of history? That God is saying a new era is dawning, the birth pangs of the return of Jesus. If you are willing, God is challenging the church. Are we willing to hear the word from heaven? Are we willing to consider ourselves that we are an Elijah people? And I'm going to expand upon that. But Elijah, in the form of John the Baptist, I'm not saying he was reincarnated as John the Baptist, but he came in the spirit of Elijah, in the ilk of Elijah. Now, we know that because it says John wore a leather belt around his waist. And this was a sign Elijah dressed the same way. And this was clear to the people of the time. They understood these signs <clears throat> that John the Baptist was coming as a man after the spirit of Elijah and would herald the coming of the messenger from heaven, the Messiah himself, Jesus. As we understand now, looking back, we understand it. But at the time, there was a lot of debate and dispute. People didn't necessarily believe it. So God is saying to us, if you are willing to have it, you are the Elijah people who will herald the return of Jesus. For Jesus said that he would come again to judge the living and the dead, to usher in another era, a new order, the kingdom of heaven coming to earth in fullness. This is awesome and it's challenging for us as the church at this time to understand what does that mean? It's my conviction that the, the return of Jesus is very, very soon. I believe that the return isn't in the by and by far off. I really believe that it is imminent. And I went through a period of time shortly after lockdown of deep soul searching as I realised that God was saying, this is nearer than you've been thinking. This is nearer than you've realised. Are you ready? Have you adjusted your life to live in the light of the ultimate of Jesus' return? For it is soon. This is really sobering, but also very, very exciting for the church. The church is moving centre stage to the, the purposes of history. Do you want to be part of it? I certainly do. So I want to draw on a number of aspects of John's life. And a few weeks ago, I was reading through Matthew and I came to this passage and it jumped out in dark contrast to everything else around it. And I knew God was speaking. This is new. This is a word for now. Something powerful is about to happen. God has often brought me to this passage regarding John the Baptist, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And I preached on that in 2012, I believe. And I've realised over 
years, God has brought me back to this point. And I realise now he's actually saying that this is part of my journey and part of my calling to be an Elijah voice. To stir people about the return of the king, that I'm to be a voice that gets the church ready, that provokes and challenges and shakes the church out of slumber. These are times that we cannot be in slumber. We cannot be backslidden. We cannot be sliding into slumber and lethargy. We have to provoke ourselves and one another even more as we see the return, the signs of the return of the king. God wants us to get our individual houses in order and our own corporate house, the house of the church in order to be addressing the things that the temple of the Lord, the church, isn't left in ruins, but we are diligent to give attention to it and not be busy with our own lives, but be busy with the purposes of God, whatever that means for each of us as individuals. And I want to take us to verse four in chapter three of Matthew, because this was key about what typifies an Elijah people. Well, it says John himself with clothed was clothed in camel's hair. Now, camel was an unclean animal in Jewish tradition. And they would have known that John was clothing himself with, with something which was like less than a bit like, mm, don't really like that. Don't want to go near a camel is a beast of burden and camels, camel's hair is is coarse and it's from an unclean animal. We don't really like it. But John clothes himself with this. And he was saying, if you want to embrace my message, you've got to come close to something that your traditions may not um be comfortable with. You may have to tolerate something that's a bit itchy around the, the edges and you might not like this. And it says also that he had a leather belt around his waist. And in 2 Kings 1 verse 8, that's the story of Elijah, 2 Kings. I think I said 1 Kings earlier. This is also a reference that Elijah wore a leather belt around his waist. He was unconventional both of them, John the Baptist and Elijah. And it goes on and it says, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And when I read all of that verse, the whole thing just exploded in front of me. And I realised that God was showing me that we as an Elijah people, if we embrace these truths that are hidden in this verse, this is the way that we will be able to usher in the king. This is the lifestyle he's calling us to. Now, don't worry not to go out, <laughs> go and buy some locusts from the local pet shop and get a vivarium, whatever you call it, for locusts and start eating them. Dip them in honey to make them a little bit more palatable. No, it's not that. Scripture is often very uh, symbolic, although John really did eat locusts and wild honey. But there's symbolism here. And scripture can interpret scripture. So if we look into the Bible and find out what, what, what's locusts to do with, we will find some secrets here that are for us as the church now today. It's a message that is for us to encourage us, to strengthen us and take us forward. So what is what are locusts? I mean, they're like 
huge grasshoppers, aren't they, that uh, devour the landscape, plagues of locusts. Now, we find the first mention in Exodus when Moses is um, petitioning the Pharaoh, the king of the time, to let go the people of Israel, to let them leave the land to go worship God. And he's refusing. And plague upon plague upon plague comes into Egypt's land. And locusts is one of them. And it, locusts, if you've ever seen films on, of them, they just devour everything green in their path. They are disaster. They are extremely bad news. You don't want locusts coming into your land. Um, so in this situation, we're thinking, OK, well, locusts, they're not a good thing. They're bad. So what's going on here? This is John's food. What's all that about? This is bizarre. Well, I want us to jump into numbers because there's a secret here, which isn't so much of a secret. And those that know scripture may know exactly where I'm headed. Um, essentially, locusts represent, if you like, in a symbolic way, the bad stuff that happens to us, the stuff that comes against us, the trouble, the strife, the grief, the opposition, the resistance that... The car breaks down. We lose a job. We are robbed. We get ill. All these things that come against us. The list can go on. I'm sure you can think of things yourselves. Probably going through stuff yourself right now. These are like locusts coming against us, trying to devour. But we've actually got a part to play here. And I'm going to take us to uh, Numbers chapter 13 in the Old Testament. And this is where Moses has led the people of God out of Egypt. Finally, Pharaoh did say, get out of here and let them go. And now the people of God are in the wilderness and God has said, go into the land of Canaan. Well, they could have done it in three and a half days. But due to the rebellion of Israel, they took 40 years about it. But at this point, Moses wants to send spies into the land of Canaan, which was the land promised to the people of Israel. He wants them to spy out the land and come back and give report of what it's like. So he sends in 12 spies and they return, but not all with a good report. So we're going to pick up the story at verse 27 in chapter 13. And these this is the spies talking. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit because they brought some and brought it back to show. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The, um, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Remember, locusts devour. Here's a de apparently a devouring situation. And all the people who we saw in it are like men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. 
and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight and and so we were in their sight and here they are they're looking at all these problems these are like locusts and it's funny that the word grasshoppers is there and that this is a different hebrew word but it's used interchangeably with locusts and grasshopper in interpretation and translation and this isn't looking good they're painting a very bleak picture it's not great but let's jump into chapter 14 because Joshua and Caleb have something to say about all of this again. Um, so let's have a look. 14 verse 7 to 9. Joshua and Caleb spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And actually goes on to say, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Whoa, there was some some battle going on between a good report and a bad report. And just listen to what that uh, that Joshua and Caleb said that they will be our bread. Another translation says they will be as prey to us. So all the giants and the opposition in the land as if there were locusts, were actually food for the Israelites. Now, that's another take on things, isn't it? Think about that for a minute. Equate it to all the troubles and the challenges that come to us. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, that is your food for life. That is your nourishment. That is what you thrive on. That is the route to your destiny. Yee. That sounds hard. That's a bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? Which is maybe where the honey comes in, in that verse regarding John. We're going to get to that in part two of this talk next time I speak. But for now, I want us to focus on these locusts. All of us are affected by trouble and difficulties in life. And trouble can send us one of two ways, either up or down. The natural response is down. Oh no, now what are we going to do? How do we get out of this? Oh, that's the last thing I wanted to happen. I don't believe this. But if we put on a different set of spectacles, and look at it with God's perspective. These things can drive us deeper into God. Not deeper into despair, but deeper into God. It's where we need to find his promises towards us. What are they? When trouble hits, what do we say? I am more than a conqueror in this situation. God will turn it for good. God is my defender and my strong tower. I need not fear. 
I need not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord has promised never to leave me nor forsake me. I will overcome in this situation. I will come through because God has promised I will get through to the other side. This has come to pass, not to stay. God encourages us to praise him in the midst of circumstances, not necessarily because of them, but in the midst, because we know God is seated on his throne right in the midst. And we, it says in the Bible, are seated with him. If we've been born again, we've died to an old life and we've been raised to a new life through the spirit of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life and made him Lord, you're what the Bible says, you've been born again. And you've been given a brand new start and you've been lifted out of a, a pit of despair and seated with Jesus in heavenly places. That's an amazing thing. And as we meditate on that, we begin to realise we're not under the circumstances. We are to be above them. But this is challenging. and We might ask ourselves, how do we do that? How do we manage to consume trouble as food and get nourishment from it? How do we climb over the circumstances so that we are above them? Now, I heard an interesting acronym recently. FEAR stands for false evidence appearing real. I really like that. Think about that next time you're faced with a fear. False evidence. It's not real. It's a lie. But it's dressed up to make you think it's real and it'll come to pass. Don't fear it. Wonderful verse in one of the letters of John that say says perfect love drives out all fear. So when fear heads our way, let's open ourselves to the love of God for his perfect love as he fills us will drive out the fear. And we'll overcome it. We'll trample it down beneath our feet. But how do we manage to live above those circumstances and consume the trouble? It's a big challenge, but nothing is beyond us. And I want to remind you of one of the words that I received previously that I shared in the last talk I did, where God gave me the name Obadiah which is a tiny little prophet in the Old Testament, along with Malachi. And Obadiah means worshipper of God or servant of Yahweh. But God spoke to me about the worship element and he was saying to get through this and all other troubles that we may face, it will be through worship. As we lift our hearts in song and praise and thanksgiving, we will be lifted above circumstances. And when trouble hits, as we begin to put a song in our mouth, a positive declaration rather than a negative one, we will find ourselves being lifted above. We will find circumstances may change. They may not, but we will find a way through. We may change. Our perspective may change. You know what? Trouble's aim is to steal our joy. And once our joy goes, our strength goes, our motivation goes and we become more serious and we lose our simple childlike trust. And God says to us, cast all your cares upon me. Everyone just throw them on me with gay abandon 
because I care for you. Let me carry it. And you know what? When we pick up carries and woes and cares, God says, I'll have that. Thank you very much. That's mine. And he's like that. He wants to be a good father to us. He wants to take away those things. But we have a duty to give them, to throw them his way and to keep our heart in peace. That is one of the challenges of as the walk as a Christian. To keep our hearts in peace. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not allow it to be disturbed. And that's a challenge. And I want to encourage you, if you find that is hard, if fear gets the better of you, I want you to, when that happens, make a decision. I'm going to get into the secret place. I'm not going to let this rob me. I went through that journey a number of years ago and I came through to the place of peace. The peace became my garrison through all the traumas of life. But it was something that God had to work in me stone by stone, that that garrison was built, the garrison of peace round about me. It is possible, but we have to discipline ourselves and make the choice to say, I'm going to run to that tower. I'm going to find the place of peace and security with my father. And I'm going to come out of there in peace, into my circumstances and into my daily life. I'm going to carry the peace of God with me. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. And when you're in that place, devastating news doesn't need to shake you. You know, actually, I'm secure. This actually may simply be false evidence appearing real. And actually, it's not as it really seems. That's happened to me a number of times. I've heard some news or other, and it turns out not to be the devastating facts that it seemed to be presenting. So I'm going to draw to a close here and I'm just going to present us with that challenge to view your life differently. If you tend to err on the side of negativity and getting depressed and discouraged too easily, don't be condemned. There's no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus. He simply wants to lift up our heads and say, hey, son, hey, daughter, listen, I've got a better way. Let me share the secrets of my heart with you to show you how to navigate this situation. Don't go down the tubes like you normally do. You don't have to. I'm going to teach you. Even if you do go down the tubes, don't give up. Just try again next time. God is always in the business of the second chance. It just He just keeps replaying. Second chance. Come on, give it another go. He's for us, not against us. And I want you to take some of those things which maybe you've been jarred with as I've been talking, thinking, oh, yeah, that's one thing for me. That's something else that affects me. Bring them to Jesus. Maybe you've done that before. Well, just bring it to him again and say, "Okay, Lord, I'm up for this. I'm up for the journey. I know I take knocks and I go down, but I really want to get back up every time so that the distance between one fall and the next is shut is Longer and longer, not shorter and shorter, longer and longer and longer to the point that we're no longer affected by those things that have hit us and knocked us down. I'm going to pray here in closing. Father, thank you that you believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. Thank you that you believe that we are the Elijah people. You believe it, Lord. 
We want to receive it. We want to embrace that calling to be an Elijah people that usher in the king. And we want to be like John the Baptist that eats the locusts of life, the things that come against us to devour us. We want to be those people who take it and are nurtured and nourished from it and take control of it by the power of your promises and our confession, what comes out of our mouth. As we are brave and are courageous, as we read of Psalm 27 in my last talk, that we are strong and courageous. Lord, help us if we've grown weary. Help us if we've become weak. I pray now for the listeners. Lord, strengthen those right now. Let there come an impartation of strength and courage. Let depression and discouragement fall off people right now. I break you off, people. I break discouragement from you. Receive now fresh encouragement from heaven. Let it be imparted to you. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to springboard us into a new realm of walking so that we can laugh at the storm, so that we can meet it head on and not be discouraged, but we can speak the word and the promises of God right into the heart of it and can trample it down. Father, bless us as we go from this place and Holy Spirit, water these words that I have shared in the name of Jesus. Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening. Meditate on it and be blessed and be encouraged. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is holy strange and divine I can sing all is mine yet not I but through Christ in me the night is dark but I am not forsaken for by my side the Savior he will stay I live
and I'm one of the leaders at Freedom Church. I'm actually married to Mark, who you saw earlier. And we really appreciate what Stu brought this morning. And I think you'll agree with me that there's a lot of stuff in there that needs to be unpacked. And it would be good to give it a watch again this week, I think, as well. And actually, next week is gonna be part two. So I really hope that you'll join us for that. Now, we know that our church members are, have been watching this morning. And we also know that there might be some people out there that are new on this journey of faith, or you're just exploring, just seeing what church is all about. So if you've got any questions, or you just wanna say, hi, I'm here, hello, this is me, um, then we would love to hear from you, and you can email us at hello at myfreedom.church. Now, straight after this, we have um, our Freedom Church Hangout via Zoom, that's at 12.15 p.m. And you're all invited, details will come up at the end of this video so watch out for those and it's going to be a 30 minute call but hey you can just come in for five minutes and go again and just say a quick hi or you can stay for the whole 30 minutes it is completely up to you all right before we go i just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you so lord god thank you for drawing us together in your name today 
Lord, we praise you, we thank you for your words to us that are life and a hope and a love. Lord, and we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to walk alongside every day. I just pray that you'd be so real to us this week, that we would really learn to draw on you, whether we're having good days or bad days or just mediocre days. Thank you that you are there for us and you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.